0: Hi everyone. In today's episode, I start a new mini-series for the podcast. This mini-series is going to cover a lot of how language plays a role in immigrant and multilingual communities. In this podcast, I interview Marco Montenegro. He is the founding director of Excelsior Works. They are an employment support center in the Excelsior neighborhood of San Francisco that works mostly with the immigrant community. Excelsior Works is a multicultural and multilingual workforce development center. Their mission is to create financial stability and strengthen the community amongst the Excelsior. Without further ado, let's get right into it. So, what kind of made you get into the Excelsior Works?
1: Yes. So, so you know, uh, so I grew up in this in this community, right? And so, for you know, more than forty years, have seen this neighborhood like go through. Uh, you know, go through its evolution, and um, you know when this opportunity came up to help start this nonprofit. Um, you know, I thought of a great opportunity for me to come back to the neighborhood and to and to give back, right? To give back, uh, you know, to a city that has like provided me with so much, right? With so much opportunity. You know, I've gone to uh, grade school, a high school, and college all here in San Francisco. And so, um, you know, like love the city, love the neighborhoods, and want to see the city thrive. And, you know, by that, I mean the people who live here, and in particular, people who come to this city, you know, looking, seeking for uh, hope and opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I know you mentioned kind of how the Excelsior has shifted over um, 30 or 40 years. Maybe is there an example of that? Maybe just a small thing or a bigger thing that you've just seen? Um, just from your personal ex- perspective?
1: Yeah, so so it's, it definitely has become, um, uh, it's, it's like the Excelsior is one of the last affordable neighborhoods for families in San Francisco, right? In general, the southeast side of San Francisco is where uh, families have, have uh, still been able to somewhat afford, right, uh, here in San Francisco. And so, you know, I've seen that change. I think there are, there's always been families here, but I see when I think about San Francisco in general, like now, there's more families out in this area, and a lot more immigrant families. Right here in the Excelsior, the largest demographic is the Chinese community, and then followed by the Latinx community, and um, you know, th- those are still uh, you know sort of ethnic groups that tend to have um, you know maybe more than than one or two kids. In their families right and it's just so expensive to live in san francisco and again uh, it's just kind of you know for me the same thing i grew up in a, uh in a family uh you know i have uh, a larger large family have three brothers and two sisters and so you know you don't you don't typically see in san francisco uh you know parents with six kids but so when you see parents who have three or four it's kind of nice nice to see and, and and reflect back in the days when san francisco was much more affordable and people could have large families.
0: Yeah. And you talked about the large um, population of immigrants. What would you say uh, maybe overall is the percentage um, of immigrants in your community? Um, and if you don't know, be, be just like a, a best guess.
1: Yeah. It, so in our, in our community, I think it's probably about 60 to 65%, right? Specific to Excelsior Works. Our our um, clients, like I said, we're an immigrant serving uh, workforce center and our clients are more than 90 percent immigrants and newcomer immigrants.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. And um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about the community, like what age groups do you serve and what specific services are targeted to those different age groups?
1: Yeah, so, so we we work with mostly uh most so we work with with adults, right? Um uh, when Excelsior Works was started, uh you know, it was it was it was started by a number of community-based organizations, and some of them were youth serving organizations. And for example, you know, they said one of the things we don't want is Excelsior Works to compete with the organizations that are serving uh, you know, different populations. There isn't a workforce center that works with um uh, with adults and so that's what you know where the gap was and that's what excelsior works was really started to do was to work with uh, you know work with adults and so we we make referrals you know we work with parents and when parents want us to provide services for example for youth that are between the ages of 16 24 or what's typically known as transition age youth then we make referrals to uh our, our partner organizations who are serving that population Uh, In here in Excelsior, the uh, largest segment, uh, you know, the workers are between the eight is is typically, they're typically female, and they're between the ages of 35 to 44 years old, and have, uh, uh, you know, it's typically around uh, five people in the household, and, um, you know, living in poverty, their income income levels are low. So we see a lot of people, a lot of um, families, right. Uh, four to five people in that household and making under $25,000 a year.
0: Yeah. And what would you say, um, of that, um, of that group of people who speak, um, a language that's other than English as their first language?
1: Uh, it's yeah. It, yeah. It, it's really high. Um, uh, I would say it's probably about, uh, uh 80%, right. Yeah. May, maybe even higher, higher than that we work with a lot of, uh, so the majority are limited English speakers, right? And we work with a lot of people who would uh, probably just qualify as monolingual, still monolingual, right? As I mentioned, we work with a lot of newcomer immigrants. So it's people who have been in the United States less than five years, and so they're still trying to build up their language skills. And one of the things that here at Excelsior Works that we try and do is, so we offer um, uh, ESL classes, right? English as a second language classes because we know that that can be a barrier for people who are seeking employment, right? Uh, You know, oftentimes probably like at the low end, employers are fine with someone having very limited English proficiency, as long as that person can understand um, like instructions, emergency instructions, right? And it's understandable if there was a fire or if there's some type of emergency, employers wanna make sure that people understand instructions to evacuate that building.
0: Yeah, and I know you guys work with a lot of languages like Spanish, Cantonese, Tagalog. And is there any specific age group that maybe tends towards one language or another?
1: Well, you know, definitely are the Filipino community um, by far, you know, of the groups you mentioned, so the Asian, the Latinx community, then the Filipino community. The Filipino community by far has the highest uh, levels of of English. But the challenge with the Filipino community, uh, you know, these are colleagues of mine uh, who work with the Filipino community have said is, although they may speak, uh, you know, they speak English, um, their level of comprehension is not as high as it should be, right? And so that makes it challenging for them when they're seeking out services and having to uh, receive those services in someone who's going to speak to them, for example, only in English. And so that's why here at Excelsior Works, you know, we've, we've structured our, our staff, our staffing so that uh, everyone on the team is bilingual, right. Uh, in English and Chinese in English and Spanish at this time, we don't have a Tagalog speaker, but in the past we have, right. We've had members of our team who are English and Tagalog speakers, but we definitely have those relationships in the community where we can call on uh, entities to help us. Uh, if there's a client that wants a service from us and would prefer that that service be delivered to them in Tagalog, um, you know, the Latinx community, about 50% of them have some English proficiency. I think what we find with the Latinx community is just a hesitancy, like right, a reluctance to speak the language. But you know, they they um, Their English proficiency, I've seen uh, data from the city of San Francisco, and their English proficiency is about 50%. So about half of half the residents speak some English. Again, there's just hesitancy on their part to do that. Um, And, you know, I would say, I think significant part of that, a big reason for that is that a lot of the people who are coming to San Francisco, like these newcomer immigrants, they're fleeing their home country because of you know uh uh, violence right whether it's um being inflicted by their government by you know we've we've heard for example um in the areas of guatemala el salvador and honduras a lot of um gang violence in that area and a lot of women you know fleeing domestic violence right and so uh, um you know we see those people and they have very they also have very limited um, education right and so i think now when you put upon them the need to learn a second language and um, you know i think that that they bring them that hesitancy of am i saying it right am i expressing myself you know correctly um, so just some of that fear maybe fear that someone with um uh, like more education may not hesitate to try, right? And speak, um, right? Speak that second language. And then that's in the Chinese community, right? Again, a large segment of the population who we work with, uh, a lot of new immigrant arrivals and uh, they need need those uh, English learning opportunities, right? Uh, So they wanna learn the language. It's just them finding, A place that is that they feel is welcoming, that has people who look like them, that has people who can speak their first language because then they can communicate in terms of what they know and what they don't know. Right. And, you know, that's what we see here at Excelsior Works. We see people come in with that level of comfort because we make it a point to ensure that the, the relationships that we have with our clients are not transactional, but rather transformational. And so, um, you know, we encourage, we encourage them to just share with us what it is they don't know, and then let's work to build that capacity, uh, right, within them. Yeah, definitely. And I know
0: um, you talked a lot about the challenges regarding this. Are there any other challenges that you would say um, just around Excelsior Works um, and with working with a community that may not speak English as their first language?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest challenges for the Latinx communities, for example, in, in terms of us trying to help them fl- find employment, is their uh, their lack of work uh, work documentation, right? So so that makes it challenging for us to help them find uh, employment, and you know it can it can be someone who does have the English proficiency, but if they don't have the workforce documentation, then empl- employers uh, will not hire them, right? They won't hire them, and so that. That makes it significantly challenging for us. But, um, you know, those are the things that we see contribute, for example, to families. You know, we work with a lot of those families, and those are families who are oftentimes, like, are on the fringes in terms of their housing stability, right? They're like one paycheck away from, you know, being, being homeless. And so, uh, like, that makes it very challenging for us, right? We're, we're an employment support center but we approach the work from a holistic point of view knowing that again these families need more than just you know if someone is coming here looking for employment uh and they're ahead of household uh and they're only making minimum wage right they're looking for a second job just in, in order to be able to make ends meet in order to be able to pay their rent um, you know and oftentimes they're living in in congregate housing right they're sharing a home they may be living in a garage uh, so all those all those things create challenges, right? For families and the stress, the trauma that they're dealing with that they come to us and that we learn about. and then you know what I think is how can someone thrive in their employment if they have trauma that they're not having an opportunity or don't know how to deal with?
0: Yeah, and I guess adding more to thriving in their workplace, how would you think the primary language of the people you serve um, impacts their ability to find jobs and maintain relationships with their employers?
1: Yeah, so, so again, it, it is it is it is challenging, right? Um, uh, and that's why we 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 try to offer ESL classes here at Excelsior Works, and we've tried to build a relationship with City College of San Francisco, so that um, you know what we do is is. Uh, we try to get people started just with that comfort level again of learning, of being in a learning environment. And then what we do is we take we take our classes up to City College so they can look into the when the class is taking place. We've met uh, you know the instruct one of the, one of the instructors and the instructor will talk to them about a class here at City College. And then we've offered our our students. Uh, you know, the opportunity to uh, to help them, to help enroll them into City College. Again, we work with people who have, uh, who you know, have uh, limited education. And so, for example, if you tell them, hey, now go to City College and enroll, you know, they're going to walk to a place, a campus that takes up, you know, a whole city block or more. And, you know, it could be daunting. It can be daunting for someone, even with someone, you know, with an education level, let alone against someone with very limited English someone who's new to this city right doesn't know how to navigate it and so um yeah that you know that that's that makes it challenging for them to uh sustain that that relationship i think with their employer and and you know it subjects them to also to abuse right to employers who um you know won't pay them their hours worked who abuse them with their schedule right um and again, these are all things that our clients openly share with us. One of the one of the other services that we we provide is we connect. We can connect residents to uh, attorneys, for example, who can work who can help them if they have a worker rights issue, right? We can connect families to attorneys who uh, may be uh, facing eviction, and to attorneys who can help them with the issues of immigration. And those are relationships that we've specifically sought out. Ah uh, to build, and so that we could offer those services to our clients so that we could bridge those gaps you know between them and their employer. and uh, you know hopefully it provides them with the tools, the resources, the skills to be able to sustain those uh, employer employee relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're also talking a lot about how employers might not might not pay their employees for the hours they've worked. Um, and so, Based on the viewpoint of maybe an employer, what do they kind of look for when they're looking for um, someone who may not speak English with their first, as their first language? Um, is there a basic level of proficiency they'd require um, and how do you guys kind of get them to that level? Um, what steps do you take to get there as well?
1: Yes, So, uh, you know, we, we, we work with employers and uh, for example, we'll, we'll ask employers if, if we know that they're uh, you know, that they're looking to hire uh, people, sometimes it's even seasonal. So for example, we've worked with C's Candies and what we'll do working with that employer is we'll ask them to uh, come to our office, right? We'll ask the employer to share with us the uh, job description, um, and it can just give us more information about what uh what the expectations are of their uh, their candidate pool and so then we'll work with our clients right um, at the front end and just prepare them share the job description with them uh, let them know that this is uh, what's going to be required of them should they be offered that job and then help them practice for their interview right so that when the employer comes in uh, our clients have been prepped. And um, it just facilitates their, um, you know, their interview. Again, their English proficiency may not be very high, but if they know what questions are going to be asked of them and they've had some opportunity to think about it and how they should answer it, then, you know, that that helps them in their interview process. We've been successful in that way in, help, in helping uh, our clients get those jobs. And, you know, we've had some really good employers who... Uh, Uh, You know, we'll have people on their staff who are bilingual, and so then we'll say, you know, it's fine to bring on people who have limited English proficiency because the person who will be directing their work is going to be able to communicate with them. And they're more interested in just making sure that they have someone who's dedicated, someone who's going to be hardworking, right, Uh, and whom they can count on. And that's what our clients, that's how I would describe our clients. That's who they are. You know, they're looking for that opportunity. Uh, to get a job and succeed and, and thrive.
0: This wraps up part one of this interview. Thank you so much for watching. I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you.